It's your boy B Moore. This is from New York to the Shot, episode nine. I'm joined by my co-host Rustin Stewart. Russ, how you doing, man? Man, what's up, B? How you doing, man? You alright, man? What's wrong, man? You don't sound too good. You <laughs> let's sound, just say you sound down. You're down. I don't like that. Ah, uh, man. You know what, B? We took a tough loss, man, in the Super Bowl, man. My prediction was wrong, man. Big time wrong, man. So, uh, you know, I'm good. I'm good, B. I mean, at least we got to the Super Bowl. You know, we're relevant. And we're going to get back. Guarantee that. But uh, Tom Brady, what can you say, man? He's a little, he's a beast, man. Seven Super Bowls, man. So congrats to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, we see y'all next year. Yeah, it's hard to bet against Tom Brady. I mean, we've seen him do it again and again. And that guy just, he knows how to win. So yeah, definitely congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, I think you guys will be back there. Even though the defense was on him and he had a tough time, he still made some amazing throws. And like his receivers, I mean, he hit two guys in the helmet with the ball. And one they passed, just didn't One catch. pass, he threw horizontal, right? And he threw it right at the guy's helmet helmet i think it was Tariq, but uh yeah man you got to come down with those catchers definitely in the super bowl you know we was a little bit uh limited because we was missing like three offensive linemen you know pro bowl offensive linemen so they really had no protection for mahomes but he still made things happen but yeah you got to come down with those uh those balls those catches man just imagine if they would have caught those those passes that those those throws would have gone down in history as being some of the most unbelievable like throws by a quarterback so you know you can't win them all we've won 25 out of 27 last game so you know it's cool man i'm good man that guy's very talented so you guys have a bright future so don't look too down you but know, the crazy thing being you know the only Eli Manning beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. Like, that's crazy. Eli Manning. And then, you know, Nick Foles beat him when, you know, Nick was playing with Philadelphia. But wow, man. Yeah, don't bet, don't bet against uh, Brady, man, because you will get your money lost. <laughs> Good thing I didn't bet money, though, B. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and let's transition a little bit to a, a happier subject. Let's go to the NBA. So the NBA has come out and they have said that they are going to have an all-star game. And what they're they're kind of saying that it's going to be a mini bubble and it's supposed to take place in Atlanta on March 7th. And a lot of the NBA players aren't happy with it. So I have a quote from LeBron James. LeBron says, I don't even know why we're having an all-star game. It's pretty much a slap in the face. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he said, I don't care about the all-star game. I got zero energy, zero excitement. We have a quote from Kawhi Leonard. He says, we all know why we're playing it. It's money on the line. So clearly the players are not excited about having this all-star game. The NBA would be the only organization sports organization to have an all-star game during this pandemic the nhl canceled it major league baseball canceled canceled it and the nfl obviously didn't have a pro bowl either so my question for you is do you think the nba is putting money over their players because clearly if it's not safe for players to leave their hotel rooms on the road and they're under the strict covid protocol what sense does it make for them to have an all-star game what do you think about that 
You know, first, let me start off by saying, B, that, you know, I really rock with the NBA from its racial politics and inclusion of, you know, players and coaches being a different minority. I mean, being different than just a white man. So uh, let me just give props to the NBA. I think when the NBA came out with the bubble last year, they were like the first sports organization that started playing and came up with the idea of the bubble. And it was a nice... It was a nice, refreshing thing to see like sports on TV again. Right. So kudos to the NBA for doing the bubble. I don't really agree with the all-star game being held beat. I just feel like, you know, the players want the rest. I mean, the Lakers and the Miami Heat only had 72 games of rest before the set before this season started. So to ask them to to play in an all-star game during the pandemic, Players just want to rest their bodies and chill out for, I think the the break was supposed to be from March 5th through the 10th. And now you're throwing in the All-Star game. I just feel like it's a little much and the NBA needs to kind of really chill on that and let the players rest. So you think they're putting money over the safety of the players? Uh, I think they're playing, putting a little bit of money over over the players, but, you know, also trying to it could be a lot of things. But it could be the money. Definitely. That's a huge, huge factor. But I also feel like they're trying to kind of get back to some kind of normalcy, you know. So, you know, the question is with, you know, the things that I ask myself is, or, or when are we going to get back to who's going to be the first to to start back this sense of normalcy. I mean, we have to eventually get back to some kind of normalcy, right? I mean, with the vaccine out, we're getting closer, but you know, it's a, it's a tough one. It's a, it's a tough one to, to pick B, but I really feel like the NBA should just really let the players rest. How do you feel about the situation? Well, I think it's important to note that in defense of the NBA, the NBA Players Association, they negotiated an agreement and they agreed to play this all-star game. So it's not like the players are being forced to do something that they didn't agree to. I definitely feel like it's all about money. It's a global pandemic. And if it's not safe to do all of these things and if it's if players are under this strict protocol to where they can literally only take one hour out of their hotel rooms when they're on the road and all of that kind of stuff. I just feel like having an all-star game or having any kind of unnecessary game, any unnecessary gatherings where they're going to be a lot of people together, it's not smart and it's just unnecessary risk. So I think it's all about money. Absolutely. 100%. I know it's all about money. And I think that they have these very lucrative contracts with these television stations, TNT, TBS or ESPN, whatever broadcast corporation that the game's going to be played on. And I think that they want to fulfill that because if they don't play that game, they don't get that money. The last few All-Star games haven't really been that entertaining to me. So, you know, it's usually... That's not true. Not not true. Last All-Star game last year when they with a brand new format where it came down. Well, yeah, that, Do you remember that last? last one. But the years previous, like, I mean, I remember as a kid, I used to like watch the all-star game faithfully i don't know maybe because i'm older now and i have more things going on it's just not as i i really don't care to see it as much as years past but i would agree last year's all-star game was pretty uh pretty intense and it's pretty cool well we'll see what happens uh it, it looks like the players aren't necessarily happy with it but 
they did this is something that they did agree to and it looks like the nba is looking forward to going for it with it so and chris we'll just paul, see what happens chris paul is over the players uh union right yeah he's the president yeah so yeah i mean there was an argument saying that like you know chris paul and lebron are, are friends so you have to think that chris paul kind of like talked about this with lebron since he is like mr nba so you know i mean it's just it's just fishy we're gonna see if it happens i think they're gonna do the vote thursday to to see if we're gonna have this all-star game or not so we'll just we'll have to stay tuned on that what's your favorite uh part of all-star game b it used to be the slam dunk contest i always liked the all-star saturday with the three-point contest and the slam dunk contest those were my favorite all-star moments so the slam dunk contest is hit or miss i just feel like there's not a ton of creativity anymore but every once in a while you get a really good slam dunk contest like the guy from orlando aaron gordon i think he was robbed Definitely. a couple of years ago yeah so every once in a while i can't it, it, like I said, the slam dunk contest is hit or miss. Some days it's like a, it's like a lull and you kind of go to sleep on it. But every once in a while, these young guys come out and, and they have some really exciting creative dunks. So I would definitely say All-Star Saturday is my favorite. Nice. Have you ever been to an All-Star game, B? I have not. I have not. And it was in Chicago. Was that last year? Yeah, it was last year. It was in Chicago, but mm -hmm. I wasn't. I, I went to a lot of the All-Star festivities and I got to cover a lot of the All-Star festivities and the things around the, the All-Star game, but I didn't actually get to go to the game. So that would be not, that, that's on my bucket list. That would be nice to go to. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've always wanted to go to an All-Star game, but I mean... <laughs> Being under six foot B, I don't think we would get much love. I, I, I speak for myself, you know, because that is groupie central at those R-Star game weekends, man. And they're not checking for dudes under six foot unless they're unless we're like actors or something. But uh, it would be definitely fun to go to, man, and experience. Yeah, it's great for the city. It definitely makes the city come alive. And especially... I would love to go to an All-Star game in a warm climate because last year it was here in Chicago and it was still freezing cold, but the city still came alive in the freezing cold in February. So wow. I can't even imagine being in at an All-Star game in a warm climate. It, it has to be amazing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, man. All right, man, let's switch, let's switch topics, my man. You know, I was sitting here thinking and... My dad's been going through some kind of health issues. I mean, he's good, okay. but, you know, I was just sitting there thinking like, I used to think my biggest role model was Michael Jordan growing up as a kid because I was a huge Michael Jordan fan. But looking back on all the memories, you know, from my dad and everything that he instilled in, in me, you know, like he was my role model growing up. I mean, I, I wanted to be just like my father and, and talk to people, you know, the way my father talk to people. He never met a stranger. He had so much charisma and it was just, I would just study him. So it just kind of made me start to think like, which, which some of the role models that you had as a kid growing up? Yeah, I would say my, my biggest male role model, that was actually my, my pastor, my pastor. I grew up in the church and uh, our, our pastor, he, his name was Bishop Brazier and he he was like our faith leader and he was a community leader, you know, uh, a man of faith and grace and wisdom. And and 
I, I just thought that he was just like this amazing, amazing guy. So uh, he would he was definitely he was definitely my role model. You know, we went to church every Sunday and sometimes Bible class on Wednesday. And he just seemed like he he was so well respected. He was just so graceful and you know, everyone went to him for problems and all of that kind of stuff. So he was just like this big, this amazing leader. So I would definitely say he was my role model growing up. That's cool, man. Like what what was his age? Just out of curiosity. Like when you was a kid, how old was he when he was? He was probably in his 60s when I was, but good looking dude. I mean, he didn't look like, look like an old man. He was tall. He was probably about 6'2". Okay. Head full of hair, you know, but that silver, you know how when old men who, and they have all their hair, is just that silver right. kind of hair. And that's the thing, my, my grandfather, he says he refuses to say he has gray hair. He said it's silver. He calls silver. it silver. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, a tall dude, hand, head full of silver hair and just like a just a graceful dude, always suited up, nice suits. And, you know, he never drove. He always had a driver, nice. you know, and all that, you know, just just a dope dude. You know what I'm saying? Did you belong to a big church, B? We probably we started going there when I was around six years old and it was like a medium sized church. But it, as I got older, it grew and it ended up growing to be one of those not a mega church, but one of the bigger, definitely one of the bigger churches in Chicago. So cool. by the time I was in my teenage, by the time I was like a teenager and in my 20s, it was definitely a huge church. And it played a huge role in my life, man. My church gave me like scholarships to college like every single year. Wow. You know, I got like $13,000 from my right. church to go. I remember to, going to, to a church with you when I was visiting Chicago years back. Is that the same church that you grew up in? Nah, I think that was that was probably a different one. That was because I stopped going there because the pastor, he actually passed away. Oh. And so by the time I was in my late 20s or so he had already kind of passed away so uh that probably wasn't the same church but that was definitely my home church from like growing up and he was he was definitely my 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 pastor and my role model and you know very busy man but he had this policy and I kind of model myself after him in some ways no matter how and this is a church full of thousands of people but he had a policy if you called him and you obviously you couldn't get to him but you would leave a message like with his secretary they were he returns your phone call within 24 hours that was a policy wow so whenever somebody hits me or whether it's a text or a phone call i may not get back to you right away but i try to get back to everybody within 24 hours because i'm like if this dude had a church full of thousands of people and he could get back to people within 24 hours. I can get back to you. What, even if it's just a text within 24 hours. So. Yeah. Because he made it a, he made it a priority. And a lot of times people nowadays don't make it a priority, but uh, yeah, I was going to ask you that be like, what was your access to him? Like how often, because that's why I asked like how big was, was the church, but you know, you say it's big and you still was able to have access to them. That's that's big, man. That's, it was a up. huge church. It was. Yeah, it was a very big church. I, I don't want to throw out a number because I'll be inaccurate because I don't know exactly how many people were there. But it was a very, very big church. Yeah, that's so that's so important to have, especially in the black community. Some some role male figure that we look up to and, and pretty much kind of teach us you know, lessons and, and how to be a man. So, you know, I definitely say my dad was mine. I, I mean, I would just sit and watch him. We would go into a hardware store and then he just start talking to this guy 
And we had like a 10 minute conversation, B. And I'm, you know, once the conversation was over, I asked him, I'm like, yo, daddy, did you know him? Was that your friend? He's like, no, I just met him. I'm like, wow. Like, you just met him and he responded to you like that? I mean, it seemed like you guys were like best friends, but he just knew how to talk to people. And he, I don't care if it was the CEO of the company or the custodian or, you know, a homeless person on the street, he's going to treat them with the same respect as the CEO. And that's really what I try to instill in my life is that I don't put people on pedestals. I treat everybody the same with the same amount of respect. And, but I just want to thank my father for, for showing me that way. And, and, and the reason I am the man that I am today. So. Yeah, that's what's up. It, it sounds like both of us had pretty good role models that were male. So it's it's pretty huge in our development. Now knowing that, because I didn't know that about your your dad, but I, now I kind of see where you get there from because you had that type, that type of personality to where you would literally talk to anybody. And like when you say the homeless man on the street, like I've actually seen you in New York talk to a homeless dude on the street who must I don't know if he worked by your job or he must have been on your route every day because right. you knew him and I remember when we went to Costa Rica we were only there for like five days but like by the like third day you were having like four conversations with the, the server <laughs> one of the servers who who worked there and knew him by name and everything so yeah, yeah. you've always been like that so it's interesting to see that your dad kind of had that same personality and that's where you kind of got that from yo so. B I would study him man I would study him and just watch him and you know, people love to hear their name. So I'm always calling people by their name. I hate it when I don't know a person's name and they know mine. Um, and just just basically just treating people how they how I want to be treated. Everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to be listened to. Everybody wants, you know, to hear their name. So you do those little drools like while you're having a conversation with people and people really love it because a lot of people, they don't. And, you know, eye contact is huge, too. But, yeah, I'm always my friends here in New York. Um, anybody that knows me, past girlfriends were like, damn, Russ, like, can we go? Like, you're talking to everybody on the block or everybody in the store. But, uh, yeah, that's just me. And I got that from Ronald Stewart. So thank you, Dad. Yeah, it's the little things, man. It's the little things. And and absolutely, man, sending prayers up to your to your dad, man. You know, so, I appreciate that. B. So what we got next, Russ? So don't we have two questions? We have two voicemails and it's from a male and a female. And I believe our lady caller is actually from the island of Hawaii. Oh, wow. Yeah, Oahu. So uh, aloha to everyone and all of our listeners there in Hawaii. And uh, we'll get to these voicemails. Uh, Let's take a listen to them. All right, let's go. From Brooklyn to the shy. What's going on, fellas? Brian, Russ, this is your homeboy Gene, just tapping in from NYC. Definitely wanted to just let you guys know that I'm enjoying this podcast. I'm loving the subject matter from, the, you know, finance to relationship issues to social issues that are going on. And I'm glad you guys are touching on things that are that are important right now to people. Um, this is a fun podcast. Um, speaking of money, I definitely wanted to just tap in on a subject subject that you two brought up in one of the uh, earlier episodes about Harriet Tubman being on a $20 bill. And what I'll say to that is, you know, Harriet Tubman, as we all know, is one of our greatest ancestors. She was all about her people, but I think she would will, she will want her people to have those $20 bills in their pocket 
rather than her face be on that that piece of paper and we're still out here broke as a people you know what i mean so you know i get i get the symbolism of it but for the most part i'd rather have those dollars in my pocket i don't care who's on them but you know that's just my opinion but that's one thing that really you know you know sparked me a little bit you know when i heard you guys talking speaking about it but at any rate i'm going to definitely be locked in tuned into what you guys are talking about and I hope to hear more from you. Take it easy. Man, that is my boy, Gene. Oh, love my man, Gene. He always speaks the truth. Very educated brother and very conscious brother. So thank you, Gene, for calling in and supporting from New York to the side, man. We really appreciate you, man. So what you think about that, B? Gene, that's the homie. So thank you, uh, Gene, so much for the call, for the phone call. Like I said, you know, and I don't have too much more to say about that. Uh, I will say this, and I, I think I said it when we first had the conversation about it on the show, Russ. Is Harriet Tubman being on a $20 bill a huge deal? Probably not. Is it a big win? No, but it is a win. And I think at the time I said that African-Americans, we contributed almost like a trillion dollars to the economic system in the United States. And for us to just not have any type of representation at all in our currency, I felt like it wasn't right. So I agree with Jean. I think if she had the choice between economic equality and economic wealth and stability and having her face on a $20 bill, I think she would choose the former. But like I said, it's one of those small little wins and I will take it. All I'll say is I would rather see her face on the $20 bill than Andrew Jackson. Yeah, I definitely agree with Gene. Me and Gene kind of took the same approach to to that that topic. So definitely agree with him. I definitely agree with you, B, with where you say it's a small win. It is a win, um, but we need, need, and you know this, I don't even have to tell, tell you this, but we need so much more. We need to get rid of this systematic racism or start to to really look at it deeper and try to do some things to to make the playing field more equal. But I definitely want to thank Gene for calling in and I definitely appreciate the support. Shout out to Harlem's own, Harlem's own, Harlem world. Harlem Gene. world, baby. Okay. Um, let's go to the second one. Aloha from Oahu. My name is Robin Gant, Robin Gant on Instagram. And I'm calling to say that I love your show. I also wanted to comment on episode four in which you discussed, do black men support each other or are they competitive? I personally think that they do, but the competitiveness is historical or generational, as you mentioned. Slave masters pitted slaves against each other to prevent them from not only living harmoniously, but to prevent uprisings. Young black men are taught by their fathers and mothers to be better than they were. They are competitive by nature, some more than others, to be the best or to be number one. So as children and young men, they compete in all aspects of life, girls, sports, education. And I think it it is difficult to turn it off as they become adults. It morphs into their jobs, their education, and their personal lives. It's not a bad thing, but with the prospect of being the best and knowing how brilliant other Black men can be, that display of so much strength and confidence can be intimidating, even to other brothers, although they won't admit it. Systematically, Black men and women have been pitted against each other because many companies and organizations would only hire a certain number of Blacks or persons of color for those reasons. 
So they vie for those finite positions and boom, here comes that competitive streak again. I think that we're doing much better than we did 20 years ago in terms of supporting each other, but I still think that we have a long way to go. For another topic, I would love to hear a discussion between you two on male Harlem Renaissance authors and perhaps a review of some of your favorite books from that era. Thank you. And again, I think your show is amazing. All right. right. Thank Thank you, Robin. That was Thank that you. was a very in-depth question. I liked her points though in that B. I definitely like her points. She made some really legitimate points then on why there is that kind of competition between black men. Yes, she did. She did. And and she she actually brought up some stuff that I didn't even think about, like them pitting black men and black women against each other to prevent uprisings and stuff like that. And you know, these are things that are so deep seated and deep rooted in our culture and our society. It It's very difficult for it to be corrected and for it to be broken. You know, one of the things that bothers me is when people act like there's not a carryover. For instance, like if there was some kind of trauma or some kind of issue in your family, it's not like just because the next generation is born and raised that that just goes away because things are passed down from generation to generation from family to family you know we say we talk and we say things because we heard our parents say them and they say them because they heard their parents say. so things are passed down so it bothers me sometimes when people act like oh well that happened so long ago so that has nothing to do with today well it absolutely does because think everything is connected you know it's like a circle of life so uh, thank you so much, Robin. That was a very poignant and in-depth call. And Russ, Robin, she also gave us some homework. And I hate to disappoint her, but I'm not extremely well-versed on the Harlem Renaissance and Arthur's. You know, the only Arthur's that I know from the Harlem Renaissance are Langston Hughes and Zora Neale Hurston. And I know a little bit about Langston Hughes and his poetry, but in terms of like talking about books that he wrote and all of that kind of stuff, I'm going to have to do some more research on that and get back to her on that one. You know what, Rob, uh, B, I have to do the same. I do definitely know about Langston Hughes and the, and the Harlem Renaissance, but I am not comfortable speaking on it right now in this episode of number, number nine. So I'm just going to give a little fact about Langston Hughes. He's from Missouri, Joplin, Missouri. So I'm definitely going to uh, read some of his 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 work in the meantime, because uh, I feel kind of bad that I don't really know a lot of the Harlem Renaissance writers. So we have to do better with our black history. But then it has to be taught in the school, though. Right, B? Yeah. And, and, and this is Black History Month. So that that would actually be a good project for us to maybe each pick a book uh, from the Harlem Renaissance and read it and actually come on and and, and kind of give like a mini mini review and say what we thought about it since it is Black History Month we probably should do something because like you said it's not taught in the school system so right. you know I've heard of the Harlem Renaissance and I know what it was but I actually had to look and see what years it was apparently right. it was from like the 1917 to 1930 or around that area you know I but I'm just not super well versed with the Harlem Renaissance. So, uh, like I said, Robin, thank you for the call and you gave us some homework. So we, we actually have to go back and, and, and we'll get back and we'll circle back on that when we have more information on it. Yeah. And we can't, you know, we can definitely sit here and blame the schools 
that we were raised in be but now we've been adults for quite a while now so we have to take it upon ourselves to find out this this information and in, in the history of us so you know it's nice that i'm just kind of reading up on langston hughes right now and he kind of I followed his same path. I mean, he was born in Missouri, Joplin, and then he moved to New York City as a young man. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to <laughs> get deep into Langston Hughes and and and, and all of the Har- Harlem Renaissance writers and great artists. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, what I do know about Langston Hughes is he had that poem, uh, What Happens to a Dream Deferred. I believe right. that was him. Yeah. And that's what I remember that I remember learning that poem in school. And I know that that was Langston Hughes. But other than that, I don't really know much about him. So I will definitely have to do some more research on that. So thank you so much, Robin, for the call. And for anyone who wants to call and leave us a voicemail, it can be a comment. It can be a question. It can be anything. You can tell us anything that you want. We love to hear from you guys. Please feel free to send us a voice message at from nyc to the shy at gmail.com that's from f-o-r-m-n-y-c-t-o-t-h-e-c-h-i at gmail.com we absolutely love when our listeners are a part of the show we love answering your questions hearing your comments and we just love hearing from you guys so thank you guys so much so russ what we got next man so, you know, we had Lexi on last week and it was a success. I think uh, we it got was. a lot of yeah. positive feedback from that show. So we just want to thank Lexi again for coming on, spending some time with me and Brian. Uh, it was a great show. But you know how, Brian, you asked at the end, Lexi, 21 questions. I thought that was pretty cool for the listeners to kind of find out more about our guests. But they don't really know too much about us. I mean, we told them in the first show a little bit about our background, but I thought it'd be fun to to do 11 questions each. So 11 for me and 11 for you, equaling 22. So just kind of like 22 questions between the both of us on, on what makes Rustin, what makes Brian tick and things that I may not know about you, Brian, and you may not know about me. So I thought that'd be fun to do, man. You want to try it? I like it. Let's go. All right. So I go first. Okay. And it's just one word answers. So the first one, city or country? City. Nice. Beach or mountains? Beach. Okay. Gym or training outdoors? Training outdoors every day of the week. I love it, dude. Hotel or Airbnb? Mm, that's a tough one. It depends on how nice both are. I've stayed in some really nice hotels and I've stayed in some dope Airbnbs, but I'll, I'll go. It's something about a hotel. I'll go nice hotel. Okay. Remember that Airbnb we stayed uh, in in West Hollywood? That was a pretty good Airbnb. That was a nice. Yeah, it was. It was nice. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, it was cool. All right. So spring or fall? Uh, spring. Okay. Walk or bike? Bike. Nice. Squats or deadlifts? I don't think I've ever deadlifted in my life. So I don't think <laughs> so I would I guess, know how to deadlift. <laughs> so I, squat. Okay, cool. I teach you, man, if you want, man, when you come to New York or I come to the shy, man. <laughs> All right. So this yeah, is a good one for you. I actually thought about you specifically on this question. Wine or beer? You know what? Wine or beer, it actually depends on what I'm eating. Because if I'm at a fancy restaurant, you know, having a nice steak or a nice piece of fish, I'm definitely going wine. But if I'm out with my boys at a bar eating some pizza and wings, I'm going to go beer. So that's situational. 
That's okay. situational. Situational. I get that. And now I already know the answer to this one, but the people don't. I already know. Coffee or tea? Okay. Tea. I never had a cup of coffee in my life, Russ. <laughs> and that's what I wanted the people to know about you. Be never had a cup of coffee. That's wild to me, man. But that's that's definitely an interesting fact about you, B. All right. So another number- one, a bonus, a bonus. I've also never eaten an egg. I've never had an egg ever in my life. That, that wow, B. That, that you're blowing the people's Those minds Those are the two right things now. that people when it comes to me people like i can't believe like i've never had a cup of coffee and i've never eaten it yeah that's that's kind of mind-blowing to me all right number 10 man club or lounge oh definitely lounge nice nice all right so the last one pertaining to basketball what do you have handles or a jump shot uh i would go handles my handles are better than my jump shot i was more of a driver i was more of a a quick first step takes you to the hole kind of guy right yeah right. yeah i was definitely more of a slasher so i, I would go handles okay i would okay. agree with that all right i mean it could be the same questions you don't have to change your questions for me b okay because uh, i think we had about three of them that were the same so i'll start with you uh we'll start it real easy dog or cat dog all day mayweather or ali ali he's just a stand-up guy i mean i watched so much uh stuff about him here recently and Wow, man, he's he's the greatest. But we're going boxing though, not not as a man, not oh, as not a, as a man. Prowess, yeah, just boxing prowess. Mayweather or Ali, Muhammad Ali. Okay, Puerto Rico or DR, Puerto Rico. Okay, wine or beer. And let me go back. I've only been to DR once, and I stayed on the resort the whole time, so it's not really fair to 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 plot it against uh, BR. PR because I've been to PR like three times and didn't stay on a resort. So PR just gets the edge just because I haven't been off of a resort in DR. Okay. Okay. So you got to go back and, and, and see. You're right. Okay. Wine or beer? Uh, you know, I love my wine, man, but I also agree with you about, you know, situational. You know, if I'm going to a sports bar, watching a game with my boys, probably gonna you know i'm gonna do a beer you know but if i'm having a nice dinner or if i'm chilling at home relaxing winding down i'd like to pour me a nice glass of malbec mm, nice okay blonde or brunette brunette all day baby me too i agree <laughs> right. favorite superhero favorite superhero oh that's a good one you know this is this is probably like this is a debate, but I say Batman. But you know, there's the argument out there that he's not really a superhero. He's just a rich man with a lot of toys. So yeah, I, I agree. He's a crime fighter. There's a difference between a crime fighter and a superhero. To be a superhero, you actually have to have superpowers. Right, right. So I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm gonna go say I'm gonna say Spider Man just because I love how agile he is and how he can like climb up walls and he's very flexible and strong at the same time. So I like to think of myself as kind of like a Spider Man. So I go with Spider Man, yo. That's a solid pick. That's a solid pick. There was this guy, and here's some Chicago history going off topic for a second. There was this guy who like kind of claimed himself like to be a Spider-Man. And it was like in the seven, it was in the seventies or the like early eighties where this dude was scale buildings. Like he scaled like the, the John Hancock building and like he would like these high rises, he would climb up the side of the windows and like scale them. And like the police and the fire department would have to go and get him down. I think I heard about him. 
yeah, he's like a famous dude. It's crazy, man. And like he he literally had nothing. Like he was just climbing up the side of a building. Wow. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I've seen yeah. I've seen that footage before. I don't know if it's the same one, same guy you're talking about, but that's crazy how these people could just climb up buildings. Crazy. All right. Uh since since you are a thespian yourself, favorite actor. Favorite actor B, I'm gonna go ahead and give you two. Forrest Whitaker and Don Cheeto. Really? Interesting. So you passing yeah, up they're, they're you passing up. up Denzel, you passing up Tom Hanks, Leo DiCaprio, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. You you asked me my favorite, right? Okay. The reason why I didn't say the reason why I didn't say Denzel, he's an amazing actor. But I also look for actors that my problem with Denzel is is that I don't care what movie it is. If I'm in another room and I hear a movie that Denzel's in, I know it's Denzel just because he has that that voice, right? So I, I like the actors that can really like change their voice and change their delivery. Mm-hmm. Not taking anything away from Denzel, not at all. So don't call me talking about you know me hating on Denzel. He's an amazing actor. But I just like for him to like change his voice. So I don't always know it's Denzel if I'm in another room. Okay, somewhere a fall. Oh, man, I love the fall, man. You know what, B? I always say that fall would definitely be my favorite season if it wasn't so close to winter. So like I can't really enjoy the fall as much, B, because I know what's behind fall. (laughs) Yeah, you know winter's coming. So (laughs) I know winter's coming, man. And that's my... For anybody that follows me on Instagram or knows me, yo, I can't stand the winter. I bitch and moan throughout the whole winter. Yeah, I, I hate it. I absolutely hate the winter time. So I, I, I definitely agree. Um, salty or sweet? Uh, I'm gonna go with sweet. Definitely have a sweet tooth. A lot of people figure that I eat like really strict, but as my friend for 20 years, B, you know that's not the case. Uh, I definitely have a sweet tooth, but I go through phases. You know, I'm not eating sweets every day, but, you know, I I work by a Magnolia bakery. And if there's no line, because I hate lines, (laughs) I will go in and get me a little cupcake or like two cookies, man. So definitely sweet. Yeah. You know, I just recently discovered the the combination of salty and sweet, man. It's amazing. Like I've been having this dark chocolate with like the salt on it, the sea salt on it. It's Mm -hmm. good. Man, Mm -hmm. it's, it's so good. Yeah. That combination is amazing, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, you asked me this coffee or tea? Uh, I'm a big coffee guy. So definitely coffee over tea. OK. All I right. You have to have my one cup. I got you. Got to have that one cup in the morning to get yourself right. situated. All right. Here's the last one, man. Number 11, Nike or Adidas? Uh, Nike all day, every day. Nike. I'm a Nike man. So you never you're not one of those dudes who mix. I'm not going to see you wearing uh, Adidas sweatshirt, uh, sweatpants with with Nike with Nike shoes on. Yo, B, can we stop with this? I mean, I come from a time, right in the '90s. You don't cross brands. Can't you don't do, wear you Adidas brands. track pants with Jordans. You can't with do this, it. These new whatever you want to call them, millennials, Generation X. I don't know. But I get so tired of going on the subway and seeing all these Adidas track pants. I mean, they're a fire pant. They look great. I like Adidas track pants, but I also have some Adidas shoes to wear with the Adidas track pants. If I'm going to wear it, it's my biggest pet peeve. One of them. 
Can so can we please stop doing that? Yeah, I make an exception for one brand, and that's Under Armour because I don't really count Under Armour as like a for real shoe company. So I'll go to the gym right. and I'll have one Under Armour leggings and I'm wearing Adidas shoes, you know, or I'll have right. Under Armour shorts and I'll have an Adidas top because I don't really count Under Armour as like a shoe brand. So I'll make the exception for Under Armour, but that's like the only one. Right. Sorry, Steph Curry. But yeah, we don't consider <laughs> Under Armour shoes like no way you could do the shoes with Adidas Under Armour shoes with Adidas track pants. You're fine. But the two major sneaker brands, Adidas and Nike, don't mix. Yeah, you can't do it. Cannot do it. <laughs> All right. That's uh that's 22 questions, Russ, between us. So uh that's what's up. I learned some learned a little bit more about you, man. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I specifically asked you questions that I already knew the answer just because I wanted the people to to learn these things about you because never having an egg or never having a, a, a cup of coffee be like, wow, man, that's a, that's an interesting fact, man. And not a lot of people walk around being able to say that. Yeah, uh, I've just always been a tea guy. Coffee smells good, but I don't necessarily like the way it tastes. And when it comes to eggs, I hate the way eggs smell. Like the, the smell actually makes me nauseous. So that's why I've never eaten an egg. So yeah, I mean, um, it, it's funny. People have different taste buds and different, you know, things that they like the way they smell or, you know, things that attract them to certain foods. And I've just never been attracted to those two things. So, yeah. And it's, it's funny, too, how your taste buds change, right? Because oh, yeah. when I was a kid, B, I was like you. Eggs? I'm like, man, these things stink. No, hell no. But, man, I have a fond appreciation for eggs now. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Cool. All right, Russ. Well, that's a good show, man. So, you know, one thing I realized that we haven't been doing, what's your social media in case the, the listeners want to check you out and follow you? Mine is Rustin underscore steward. So it's just my name with the underscore in between my first and last name. I'm pretty heavy on Instagram, so please follow and I will give you a follow back. Absolutely. And I am B more for photography. So that's at B-E-M-O-O-R-E for photography. So you can check me out and follow me as well. So, Russ, if people been listening to the show, they like the show, they want to support us. What should they do, man? I feel like now the people already know. So that's good. I mean, we want to beat that into our listeners head subscribe to us on all the podcast platforms yeah thank you thank you and we appreciate everyone for subscribing and not only subscribe you know if you're on apple Podcasts, definitely uh give us five stars and please leave us a review so we thank you guys so much this has been another episode of from new york to the shy as always as we always do we'll leave the listeners with a peace and blessings have a great week everybody Every day. That's the way I play. Never mind what I had to say. Chasing paper, man. Loving like I'm grinding every day. That's the way I play.